Welcome to our next episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. This is Bob Mosier, one of the many co-hosts you'll meet throughout this series. So friends, are you trying to learn more about the Five Moments of Need? Maybe how to design for them, implement for them, measure them and even sell them as an approach to your enterprise. Well, in the Performance Matters series, we will help you better understand the theory and best practices behind this powerful methodology and offer proven ways to put the five moments of need into practice. Okay, welcome back to another Performance Matters podcast. Uh, Bob Moser here, as always, as was mentioned in the intro. Welcome, friends. Uh, today's podcast is one of my favorite sub-series of the Performance Matters series, and this is specifically on an important part of five moments working for anyone, and that's called our Technology Matters series. As we all know, moving into the workflow and implementing a successful five moments of need strategy involves the whole embedding we talk about all the time so that people can actually do their work. Well, proximity, how easy it is to use, the degree to which people can have access to all these assets we've talked about in past podcasts that are scattered all over the enterprise. If people don't have a technology way to get to those things, it just doesn't work. So we are very fortunate to have some tremendous technology partners who help us do this. And they really, friends, have done an amazing job of getting up to speed in this space. I mean, it's not RoboHelp anymore. If those on this podcast remember those days. And today we're so thankful to be joined by a wonderful partner of ours, TTS, and more specifically, a real good friend uh, and a visionary in in himself, frankly, uh, Patrick Dunlap, Senior Vice President, TTS North America. Patrick, welcome. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. And it's great to have you here. So I I don't I don't do the bio thing, my friend. (laughs) I tend to let you do it in the context of your story. So can you tell us a bit about yourself, clearly, and also a bit about TTS to orient your company to our listeners? Sure. I'll start with the, the company first. So TTS is probably a bit better known in Europe than we are here in North America, having really only been in North America for about three years now. So we're headquartered in Heidelberg, Germany. We've got about 300 employees in almost 20 offices around the world. We've been in business for about 20 years and providing a full range of of services and products. So if you're in Europe, you might know us for our talent management consulting, or you might know us for e-learning content development. But in North America, we're primarily focused around our software solution, which is the TT Performance Suite. Personally, I've been in this space for enough years where I've got a little bit of gray hair, uh, (laughs) trying to catch up with you a little bit in terms of the beautiful locks, but uh, not quite (laughs) there yet. So uh, uh, I've been in this space for quite a few years in in the area of corporate learning and performance support and started working at RWD Technologies that might Mm, be a lot of folks uh, remember back in the day with you know, with a, a lot of people who really were the, in the forefront of thinking about this new concept of performance support, whether it was Gloria Gary back in the day when she was putting together her book, but, uh, but really been involved in corporate learning and the development of these EPSS solutions for, uh, for most of my professional life. And you've done a wonderful job, my friend. Thanks. Always been super supportive. So before we go to the five moments specifically and the work that, that you've done, I'd love to share some examples you can tell us around your product. Let's talk a bit more about TTS and performance support and your, your suite in, in offering to corporate learning. Patrick, you and I go up against this all the time. Everyone knows what e-learning is. Everyone knows what the classroom is. And, and to your point, Gloria Geary, 1991, a groundbreaking book you know, electronic performance support, it is still so foreign to our industry in so many ways, or at least they have a very, very immature view. So what is an EPSS in relationship to some of the other acronyms and solutions 
that are we're hearing about corporate learning right now. I absolutely agree with this, uh, Bob. I tell the example all the time. I'm, I'm in meetings with learning and development professionals where you might have 20 L&D folks in, in a room and you ask them all what EPSS is and you get 20 different answers. Yeah. And unfortunately, 19 of them are wrong. Um, uh, <laughs> right. Uh, so it's it's really, we've done a, I think, a horrible disservice to this mm. concept of EPSS by not well defining what EPSS really is or defining it in a box that doesn't make sense. And in reality, what we've seen is that five moments of need actually helps us describe what, what EPSS does. And that was a, really a revelation for us over the, over the past few years. When you go out and talk about performance support, people think about it's a new way of doing things mm. or it's a different way of doing things. Right. And, and it's not. Performance support is really just an extension of what you do today it's just providing learning in different places, different times, different formats that suit what the user or the employee needs at that moment. And we've found that when we've gone out in the past and just talked about EPSS as a technology or EPSS as a, a tool or a mindset, people don't get it. Mm. But when we explain it as five moments of need and that there are these five distinct and different moments of need, and all we're doing is providing a tool set that helps you create, manage, and deliver content wow. across all five of those moments, people that. say, oh, that's fantastic. It makes sense to me. It makes absolute sense. So, so we as a company are, are getting away from talking about this EPSS or this technology or, or all the bits and bytes and bods about it, but really just focus on, do you agree that there are these different learning needs that occur in the organization? Some of them are formal, some of them are informal, some of them are, are uh, happen in the classroom, some of them happen in the workplace. And everyone absolutely agrees that that's the case. And then when you talk about that performance support pyramid right next to that, so the idea that, mm -hmm. you know, that learning has to be, in some cases, contextual or task-based, or in, in some cases, the right type of support is a team or an individual who's an expert, then it starts to really make sense. So we've found that our being able to start a conversation with five moments of need and then describe how our technology works within that framework really helps people understand the value of performance support because now it's not this mystical, magical, new way of doing things. It's just an extension of what we did today, but providing our employees with the right information at the right time. So, so Patrick, that's what I enjoy so much about you as a person and, and a professional in our space, as well as your organization, is that you truly get that tools without methodology or, or solving a business problem are useless. I own Microsoft Word, but I, I can still be a terrible writer. No. Or, or we hear the classic death by PowerPoint. I never really like that because, in my opinion, it's not so much PowerPoint's fault. It's death by bad presenting right. or by, by bad design. And, and, and your tool is so brilliant, but when used appropriately. And to solve a business problem, which is how I, I always see you frame it. Well, let me go down a different road here for a second, if you don't mind, because I, I really would appreciate your pitch on this, my friend, because I get this all the time, and that's the fighting the SharePoint battle mm -hmm. or fighting the LMS battle or fighting the, you know, and, and they're like, look, I've got these tools. I've invested in these tools, you know, and, and, and I guess in all fairness, if, if you, the higher ups who had to pay for them, I can see where they might push back and go, oh, wait a second, you know, we've invested in this stuff. Can't, you know, can't you just, right? Can't we just? What is, what is your view, since you're so close to that side of the argument, what is your view around 
your suite and, and your offerings in relationship to those kinds of tools. Right. I think you you absolutely hit the nail on the head. You know, using these tools and technologies devoid of a strategy is, is not the, the right approach. So you have to start with a strategy and an end goal. And then you uh, find the appropriate tools that make sense. So I always use the example of a um, very long time ago, I walked into Home Depot and, and sitting there with the, the gentleman at the tool shop. And I said, hey, you know, I need a, a drill with a, with a quarter inch bit. And he said, well, <laughs> what are you trying to do? And I said, no, 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 don't ask me all these questions. I need, a, I need a drill with a quarter inch bit. And he finally said, son, what you, what you need is a quarter inch hole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've always remembered that conversation because it's absolutely correct. You, you need you know, a hole. And there's a lot of different ways. You can punch a hole with a screwdriver. You, you can use a drill bit. You can use a lot of different tools to get that result that you're looking mm-hmm. for. What's the result that you need first and foremost? And, and, and that's absolutely the, the key is we, we, I think we, we get very enamored with technology as a, uh, an answer for all of our problems, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, we have a learning problem and, you know, there, hey, there's a new LMS. Okay, well, that's training in a box. I'm going to buy that box and then it's going to solve my training issues, right? Yeah. Uh, or, or I'm going to get something that, you know, has XAPI or, or whatever the current word is that you're looking at as the Band-Aid for the training problem. And, and that's not the problem that organizations have. Organizations have a problem with the fact that information is changing so rapidly yeah. throughout yeah. their business. And they have not changed the approach for informing and educating their employees mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. those rapid changes, right? So, so that is the challenge. So, okay, so how do we match the pace of the business that's going on around us? Or how do we create materials that are going to have a very short shelf life. It's the reality today, right? Yeah. And how do we create a content that's good enough? And how do we create content that's allowed to be and designed to be consumed in the workplace so that you don't have to leave your workplace to go and, and, and access this information? How do we create the equivalent of a GPS for our employees who don't need to learn, they just need to perform and they just need to get from point A to point B without a whole bunch of learning involved And maybe if they do it enough times, they'll learn a little bit along the way, but maybe it's more performance oriented. So I I think that it's a understanding that we have to shift what learning means in the organization. And then let's find the the right set of tools that make sense. So, yes, there'll be, you know, an LMS involved in there because there there still needs to be formal learning and a learner record and, and, and things like that. But when I think about all of the other types of learning that needs to happen in my organization, maybe the LMS is not the answer. It's just part of the answer. And, and I think that having those conversations and we've been very fortunate to you know, have worked with your teams in, in the past and, and being at the tail end of that process where they've spoken to you guys about five moments of need and understanding what the learning strategy should look like. And now they're ready to have a discussion about the tools that will help actually implement that vision. Those to us are the, the most productive types of conversations. If we're in there just talking about a product, then, you know, we easily are confused with a SharePoint or with a Word or with any other product that's out there because people are running around looking for the cheapest quarter inch drill that they can find. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and and Patrick, I so appreciate that you folks do so well and where these technologies, I think, think have stepped up. 
and why I think they're I think they're resonating so well now too is that we have so many tools. We're we're in this tools proliferation world. Mm-hmm. You know, the '90s to me was a year of of remarkable discoveries and technologies almost every time you turned around, and L and D was in this additive space. Right. You know, we we came home from every conference with a new toy, which which made perfect sense. The problem was orchestration integration of those things was not frankly top of mind. How could more not be better? And to your point, we live in a world, I think, of clearly information proliferation. But at the same time, we hear a lot of times from our clients that it's tool proliferation. I know the answer is out there somewhere and probably five different things. What I think you folks do so brilliantly and and meet such a huge need is that your ability to bring those things together in harmony relative to the workflow, relative to performance and specific tasks people have to do, taming the chaos you know, single source of truth. I hear these words all the time, a dashboard for my learners. I don't want eight different products and eight different systems. Uh, Your suite's ability to do that is really remarkable and I think helps fill an incredible void and an important one right now in a world of simplicity versus the world of abundance that we were kind of in the 90s. Super, super powerful. And that's that's exactly what we've we've tried to do with with our product. I mean, we've got 500 customers around the world. We've got uh, you know uh, large organizations and small, whether it's an Amazon or a Continental Tire or or a Bosch or a BMW that are using our, our technology. The reality is they're all facing the same types of challenges, which yeah. is you know, how do I create, manage, and deploy all of these different <laughs> learning assets to this very disparate user community that I have throughout my organization, different languages different business units, and ultimately from an end user or employee perspective, it's all about relevance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what a lot of these tools, you know, whether you're a content creation tool or a content management tool, they're not helping answer the relevance question. Is this content Love relevant? Yep. And, and that's the difference between the experience that people have in, at home in their what I'll call their personal grade learning, which is a YouTube and yeah. everything else that they have access because it's relevant, right? They've already determined what they're interested in and the system is able to kind of determine the relevance of the next piece of content to you. And then they go to work in, in these so-called commercial grade learning environments and yeah. they find any content that's relevant to them, right? It's not what I'm looking for. It's not, it doesn't address my specific question. Uh, it's in there somewhere, but I can't find it. And, and that's what we really try to do with our product is help with the, not just the creation of the content, but also the management of the content so that we can bring the relevant material to people at the time of need. And that may mean content that's not created with our product. It could be existing materials. Mm-hmm. They're all around the organization that we're just helping curate and make available to the right person at the right time. So, Perfect. So, hey, let's go back a little bit, if you don't mind, to those companies you mentioned. Our, our listeners always love examples. They, it's been, we, we go out and ask for feedback on podcasts and other things, and more talk about the five moments and methodology and so on. Overwhelmingly, the number one request is practicality and examples. So how does this look in practice? Can you offer a success story or some other examples so people can better understand how you've integrated with the five moments, how you've served customers in this world of performance support? Sure. Uh, you know, I, I can give you some examples. For instance, one project that we've just finished up with an organization that you're pretty familiar with and who's actually involved somewhat with uh, five moments of need. But one of the things that we we're able to do is to implement a new performance support system within a compliance area that they had. Mm. So had a, a large compliance team that's always looking at 
making sure that different products are within compliance. So there's a huge amount of training that's occurring. The organization is growing rapidly. So not only are you dealing with the fact that information is changing for existing workers, mm-hmm. but the fact that you're adding in workers on a, on a daily, almost hourly basis. Wow. On Right. So so how do you deal with that kind of change? And in addition to that, they have a relatively small and light learning and development footprint. Right. So they don't have a Mm. huge team of learning and development professionals that are there just to build content. And L&D is now the bottleneck. So all of these requests are in L&D saying, whoa, we're overwhelmed. And what they've actually been able to do with the performance support tool is not just deliver performance support, but really redesign the way that L&D engages with their user community. So mm. now, instead of L&D being the bottleneck and the content creator, they don't create any content. Mm. All content is actually created at the subject matter expert level. So at the business level, they're creating the content, they're modifying the content, they are designing content around their specific variations and exceptions to tasks and all of the information that is really hyper-local and hyper-relevant. They're then sending that information back to the L&D organization who's curating that and saying, you know what, that's good. That really also should be in this business process, in that user community, and mm-hmm. these could benefit from it. So L&D has completely seen their role change. They're no longer a bottleneck either because now that the the user community is using the TT Perform Suite, they're actually out there creating content on their own. They're managing the deployment and they have the ability to make that information available to people in just-in-time fashion. So the results have been Mm. that they're creating more content. They're creating it faster. It's more relevant and usable and they're reducing the training time for new hires. They're also acting and able to measure performance on the back end and being able to actually see the quality measurements for this compliant team increasing at the same time that they're bringing on new people, which is the first time this has ever happened in their organization because normally when they bring on a new tranche of new employees, their quality levels drop. (laughs) But they're able to actually maintain or increase quality while they're bringing on all these brand new folks and reducing the amount of time it takes for the time to compensate and training is all been results that they've been able to see as a, res- um, you know, as a result of the implementation. So, so we're excited about stories like that with our customers and, you know, and how they're implementing five moments of need and the TT performance suite along with that. You know, two things are remarkable about that, Patrick. The first is the We've been chasing content curation for years mm-hmm. in our industry. It's been at conferences forever. I think there is actually conferences on it for a while. And what, I, what always frustrates me about our industry is that we always tend to look at new things through an old lens. So we took on the mantra of content curation. And frankly, it still meant that we were the tip of the sword. We go out and collect it. We, we do things to it. Thank you for help. We, we'll own this going forward. What you've enabled in the story you just told is where I think content curation should go and really is by definition. And that is be the enabler, the host of great content. When I've seen people try it the other way I just described, the first way, mm-hmm. of course, the, the end user resists. Basically, why would I do your work? Right. You know, or why are you taking this away from me? What you've spoken to is that, no, content curation and the end user's willingness to keep it current, to make it in the first place, makes perfect sense because they're doing that already. And, and, and the content has such wonderful immediate purpose to them because it's built in the flow of work to meet a business end. 
And your tool is enabling that and changing the second part is the way L&D is perceived. I think the way they look at themselves and also the way they're seen by the enterprise, because you are finally, we are finally stepping into the work, enabling it in ways we couldn't before and are a business catalyst, not a business expense. So let me ask a couple of questions, my friend, to wrap up here. Mm -hmm. You've been in this business for a while, maybe not as long as me from that gray hair thing. <laughs> but if, when it comes to corporate learning and you looking as it stands today and you look at it through the lens you see every day, can you offer to our listeners what are common mistakes or maybe blind spots that you still see that if we could get past or not do would get us to this place you're describing quicker? I think there there are a number that we've seen. You know, having done enough of these projects over the years, um, I will very confidently say I have quite a bit of scar tissue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, know the feeling. But uh, you know, we see projects go sideways for for a number of reasons. Uh, one is you know not having the proper stakeholder support, right? So mm -hmm. so really having buy-in from the organization about the change that's uh, that's required. And, and like I said, it's not a difference uh, in terms of how you're approaching corporate learning it is an extension. And I use examples all the time of, you know, whether if you're getting on an airplane, don't you want that pilot to have all of the available information and so they can have the highest situational awareness and make the mm -hmm. best decisions? Absolutely. You wouldn't want to say, no, 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 I want you to go back to the 1940s style of how we trained the pilots. And that's all you get. Yeah. Matter of fact, let me take equipment out of your cockpit and have you flying blind, right? No, we want to provide that pilot with as much information as possible. So if something comes up, that they're able to react as quickly as possible with the right decisions. And it's the same thing of your surgeon, right? So why won't, don't we want the same approach for every employee in our business that they can make the best decisions for the business by having the most relevant information? Instead of saying, no, we're going to continue to do it the exact same way that we've been doing it since the beginning of man. So, you know, we, we look at getting that buy-in is critical, helping the organization understand the type of change that's involved. Then, you know, once you've done all of that, then start looking at the tools and technologies that are going to help you get there. I think it's important that you do proof of concepts, that you actually mm -hmm. have an opportunity yeah. to, to test out your thesis and make sure that it's really going to work. And, and we do that quite often at uh, TTS, where we're involved in proof of concepts of organizations who really want to see the difference between how they train today and, and employees learn today and, and how they might do it in the future. So being able to incorporate that approach. And I think most importantly, is we always talk about, is have a strategy. Uh, our tool is literally just another hammer or saw or drill in the toolbox. And if you don't have an, an architect and a plan and a vision for what the house is going to look like at the end, it will allow you to create some very high quality junk very quickly. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not our goal, right? So have that plan, have that vision first and foremost before you start going out and, uh, and swinging hammers and, and building products. So, um, uh, so we, we always believe in that. Perfect. Yeah. So, hey, my friend, wrap up. Let me go ask you one last question. And again, I just so appreciate the legacy you bring and, and the insights you see, because so many of our listeners, you know, we're mired in an organization. We, we, we see the elephant from the part that's in front of us. Mm -hmm. Right. And you have the you have the opportunity of seeing this world across enterprises uh, and even globally. Where, where do you see it going? I'm not a big three to five year vision guy, only because I, I've never seen anything last longer than a year, frankly. But 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 in the near term, 
What's your hopes for 2020 and, and where you see maybe your business going, but also maybe where you see where you'd like to see L&D go in the coming new year? I think it starts with L&D. I, I think there's got to be this realization within learning and development that learning has to change. The L&D mm-hmm. has to change. In many cases, L&D doesn't even have a seat at the table. They're not even in the same room or in the same house. Yeah. The first budget to get cut in a downturn is L&D budget, right? So we have to, relevance is the key word. We have to be more relevant to the business. And the only way that you can be relevant to the business is to make sure that everything that's being created that has L&D's name on it is relevant to a user community somewhere. Time relevant. And it's, you know, all of the words that you want to use, but it's really going to be important that we are providing and adding value back to the business. And I think that L&D has an opportunity to say, you know what, it's not about the buzzwords. It's not about the... Mm the cool technologies. It's really about, you know, how do we ingrain ourselves into the work that's happening so that we're providing the right knowledge to our employees at the right time. And then if L&D gets on board with that first and foremost, then the tools start to make sense because it's not about Mm. going out and chasing, oh, that sounds like a cool technology (laughs) that's going to solve our problems, or that sounds like a cool LMS on top of the other 483 LMSs. (laughs) going to solve our problem, right? It, it becomes more of, okay, how do I deliver information to people in the least technical or difficult way possible so that people are getting information that they need to do their jobs in the flow of work while they're doing their jobs instead yeah. of having to stop and go and do something else, adding value to the business. And, and I think if l can answer those questions and be open to that change, then I think that the stakeholders will bring them closer to the table, number one. And number two, then we'll start to go out and acquire the technologies that are going to benefit the business and not just fix a problem or or sound cool and really be more strategic. We are so appreciative of your partnership, uh, you as a friend and colleague, uh, your insights, all you've meant to the industry, and can't thank you enough. So appreciate you being here, and uh, we'll look forward to continuing the conversation as we go. Thanks so much, Patrick. Thank you. Appreciate the time as well. Well, that's it for this episode of the 5 Moments of Need Performance Matters series. We look forward to future conversations around how to best put the 5 Moments of Need into practice. We welcome your feedback and can be reached on Twitter using my Twitter handle at BMOSH, as well as our 5 Moments of Need website, which is www.5momentsofneed.com. We hope you're finding these helpful and will subscribe to future episodes. Have a great day, friends.